my page turning weirdos. This is Historical AF. I am Natalie. I'm Keena. And I'm Kaden. We are a historian, a librarian, and a special guest bringing you the weird, funny, spooky, and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. And uh, in those holes is coming illnesses and disease, which sounds so happy. Uh, <laughs> maybe some medical jargon. And of course, we have our amazing special guest. Welcome, welcome. So happy that Thank you're here. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> she is the host of Happy Hour History. Yes, yes. Podcast, <laughs> unite. So hello. If you follow our social media, she was supposed to be here for our mini gab, but a storm knocked out the internet. Oh no, a mower knocked out the internet. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. It was super fun. Some dumbass completely cut a cable, and that cable apparently controlled the internet of all of the library branches, but one, and half of West Little Rock, which is in the area I live. <laughs> wow. So, I'd hate to be it was fun, guy. but it's okay. My phone still works, so I still could watch Netflix on my phone. That's what makes life go around, right? Netflix? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we improvise. So you're here yep. now. Yay! Yes. <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Don't tell too much because you still have to come back for the mini gap. But, you know, where are you from? Where'd you go to school? What do you do? Why do you like history? What do you think go? Yeah, so I'm Keaton. Uh, like we said earlier, I host another podcast, Happy Hour History. I live in Pennsylvania currently. It's where I grew up, but I also spent four years living in the UK. I got to live in London, which was really exciting. So I did my bachelor's over there in history. And while I was over there, I had the chance to work at a heritage site, which I'm actually going to talk about a little bit in this episode because it went really well with the topic of like disease and the things that are kind of going to be discussed today. So that one was kind of easy for me to uh, work into the topic. But I got to work at a heritage site. Um, I love history because I just think there's too many interesting stories. I kind of feel sad whenever anyone says they don't think history is interesting. They just must have had really, really terrible teachers. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to come on a podcast like this and and kind of share the humor with people that like history. And then on my podcast, I tend to talk to people who are a little bit less interested or less involved with history. And try to like tell them a story that I think would interest them. So it's kind of nice to do both and to bring people in, but then also to have designated time where it's like, you know what? Right now, I just want to talk to people who love history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I yeah. think it's fun that there's more of us popping up. They're kind of like a fun history instead of like the dusty, you know, textbook. Nothing wrong with that. But I enjoy, you know, fun stories like historical dicks. That's what well, I crack up about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't. It, it does not keep up with my ADD. Whatever, yeah. it's it's too too dry in textbook. I respect it, appreciate it, but it's not going to keep my attention. No. Exactly. Or I'm not going to retain it. I barely retain what I when I look at myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry that you have to come on this episode because I don't know about your stuff. Mine got dark. <laughs> yeah, my I have to say the challenge will be to to make the jokes because to be honest mine the topic itself isn't particularly funny so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to try to find the humor in it <laughs> Ooh, i can help I got that. <laughs> I got i'm you. sarcastic <laughs> oh, i don't know i think this might be the worst morbid i've ever done i don't know does it beat does it beat my sati uh i mean i think it's coming in close 
Okay. Uh, I don't know. It made me cringe writing, like, typing something. It's like, oh, that's bad. Oh, that's really bad. <laughs> yeah. That was probably like my worst morbid that has stayed with me that I will not. I wish I could repress. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmares. <laughs> On that happy note, should we get going? What should, what should we start with? What sad story? I'll admit mine are fucking hilarious. I love mine. You could roll with it. <laughs> funny. You had funny, right? Yeah, but let's let's put okay. me last. If everyone's dying and y'all, like, <laughs> yeah, uplift us at the end. Oh, look, it rolled spooky. I don't know if you want to go first, but if you don't um, mind. I do not mind going first, and then y'all okay. can tell me when I need to stop talking. Okay. <laughs> Never. <laughs> when you're done. <laughs> it's one of those topics that like you could do literally as much or as little, and there's always something more to write about. I researched the plague. The first one, the original. We don't do the remakes. We're only here for the OG plague. Yes, OG (laughs) plague. Bubon. So, yes. (laughs) So, just, I started with a little bit of context, just for anyone who's not, like, familiar with what's going on when the plague hits. So, we're in the late 1340s. Edward III is on the English throne. And in the last decade or so, he started a war with France that he does not know is going to be called the Hundred Years War one day. So he's seeing it as like a decade. He's like, no, nah, this is going to be fine. I'm, I'm going to take the French throne. It's going to be fine. He's a very strong king. Um, <laughs> so that's happening. We have Pope Clement VI in power since the uh, year 1342. For anyone who's familiar with like what's happening in the Middle Ages at one point, the popes who were always in Rome just decided to fuck off completely and go to France. So you're like, you know what? Italian weather, French weather, it's all good. So they just go to a place called Avignon. He's the fourth of the Avignon popes. It's called the Babylonian captivity. It's going to cause problems one day. So that's happening. And then what we would consider to be the Renaissance is sort of just starting up. Obviously, there's no like day where the Renaissance just begins. But uh, the Renaissance is kind of picking up in places like Florence and Venice. And as you can imagine, the increase in trade through the Italian peninsula is going to have some interesting and potentially dangerous effects. Um, So that's where this kind of all comes in, because the plague is a disease that started in Asia, and it had already been in China, India, Persia, Syria, and Egypt. So it was already, like, destroying things in the Middle East and in kind of the Eastern world, because the Middle Ages are a little bit more insular. It's one of those things that could have kind of been avoided in Europe if the Renaissance hadn't been starting. But unfortunately, you do have these port cities doing trade. So it all begins when something called the 12 Death Ships arrived in a Sicilian port. And basically, they see these ships come in and they're like, goods, yay, let's go see what's happening. And uh, it turns out that everyone is either super dead or they are like, vomiting and covered in black spots and like they're really gross like if you can imagine the the scary ghost ships in the pirates of the caribbean movies like that's what those 12 ships would have looked like that's a whole lot of nope right there sounds so So, gross you keep your boils i'll be fine (laughs) oh dr pimple popper like but with the plague Oh, oh my god, that's so gross. I hate oh. those videos so much. <laughs> <laughs> the, worst, the worst part of it is I love those videos. <laughs> I get, I actually, I understand the, the satisfaction, but oh, no. Now thinking of the plague ones, it's ruined. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, next time I see one, I'm gonna be like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, so these dad ships roll up to the Sicilian port, and I imagine the people of Sicily are like, fuck no. But by then, it's like kind of too late. So it starts to spread through Italy, and then it, this is like 1348-ish, or even like 1347. And then it starts traveling up kind of further west. It gets into like France and Spain. And then unfortunately, because we have a lot more kind of interaction between all these kingdoms, uh, it makes its way to England across the channel. And it kind of starts in the south of England, including London, and then it eventually makes its way further north, which I'll talk about in a little bit. So the disease itself, it's called Yersinia pestis. It is a disease of wild rodents. So it does come from rats and like other kind of animals like that. But to be honest, in in England, it would have mostly been like the common black rat. And unfortunately, it's transported to us via fleas, which means that it's actually from the fleas biting the rats and then kind of coming in contact with humans. The fleas can live for 80 days away from their hosts, and the bacterium can live in the flea poop for up to five weeks. Oh my so God. <laughs> once the fleas have it, like everyone's screwed. <laughs> So it's God. it's real nasty. Once it's transported to humans, you get these lumps, which are obviously the buboes, which is where bubonic, the name, comes from. They're these, like, gross lumps around your armpits, your groin, etc., kind of in, like, all of the places, like, that are grossest to have something like Um, <laughs> And so I have a... I'm just, like, imagining having, like, this big lump, because honestly, I think at some point it said that they could be, like, as big as eggs or even, like, small apples which is oh, a massive thing yeah, to have you, on your body. How do you walk with that? Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the good news is, is you're going to die, so you're probably not walking very far. <laughs> uh, but the bad news is, yeah, you have this massive lump on your groin. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not great. Wow. I did steal a couple of quotes. I stole a couple of quotes from uh, Boccaccio, who's writing about this in Florence specifically and he actually wrote the Decameron so for anyone who's kind of familiar with that it's sort of like the um, Canterbury Tales but for the plague in Florence so it's a similar concept of like people telling each other stories it's basically people sitting in a room like a bunch of rich people they're just telling each other stories because they have literally nothing better to do since they're hiding from the plague (laughs) so uh, so he wrote about what was happening And he said, the plight of the lower and middle classes was even more pitiful to behold. Most of them remained in their houses, either through poverty or in the hopes of safety, and fell sick by the thousands. Since they received no care and attention, most of them died. Dead bodies filled every corner. Most of them were treated poorly by the survivors, who were more concerned to get rid of their rotting bodies than moved by charity to help the dead. So if you've seen any of the films with anything like Bring Out Your Dead or like these carts that were carried around the city, like piling up bodies, that's not a joke. It's pretty literal. Yeah. So, so yeah, a bad time. And he even then goes on to say brother, abandoned brother, the uncle, his nephew, sister, her brother, and very often the wife or husband. What is even worse and nearly incredible is that fathers and mothers refuse to see and tend their children as if they had not been theirs. So it's real hard to make this funny, y'all, but... uh, Oh, <laughs> bastards. <laughs> and they were like, you know what? That kid's... that he, We didn't even like that one. 
So that's fine. Oh. Yeah, we wanted the one that's going to become a doctor. Like, not, the, <laughs> not that asshole. This, one, this, this one's already half dead, so we actually, we'll just ditch this one. Yeah, you think, like, back then, they'd be like, sorry, but you're on God's hand now, babe. Like, we're, we're just washing our hands of you. <laughs> that's true. You think yeah. about the lifespan in general, even before that, it just... I guess it was almost more, it's just more common than what we see today is people dying at younger ages, regardless yeah. of children. It's like, if you made it past 12, you're amazing. You're great. <laughs> yeah, it's like, on your 12th birthday, you finally get a name, because before that, we just didn't think it was useful. Like, you, that one could be gone. You're just number you're one. You're number three. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a picture, it was like a four-year-old smoking a pipe in a coal mine, and I'm like, wow, we've come a long way. <laughs> Oh, man, these kids had it rough. <laughs> and now they have the plague. Woo! And yeah, so you wouldn't want to be that 1340s kid. No. I've listed a couple of the medieval reasons for the plague, or so they thought anyhow. So the first, and probably the one that everyone would think of, is that you might think it's a punishment for sin. Obviously, the main people who like left writings about this time period are going to be like members of the church, or even doctors who are doing medical records whether it's like monks or clerics. So they're, obviously they're all writing about how God is like punishing them and how if people were just less sinful or were like wearing better clothing or if they weren't out there being sluts, like, you know, like they're basically just <laughs> slut shaming everybody in Europe and being like, man, if you guys were just better, God wouldn't be punishing us. It's the <laughs> so that's one of the reasons. <laughs> it's always the demons. It's always the demons. The lack of bathing. <laughs> oh no, they never get that far. I know, it's so bad. <laughs> they're like, they're like baths. No, that'll make you more sick. And then no, I, I just read about that in the West. They thought it would be like as early as the old West, like the 1800s. They thought if they took a bath, it'd make them more sick. That the right. grime on them would protect them. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> just throw a leech on it, and then you're fine. Oh yeah, we we have leeches in here too. Um, okay. So the second the second reason some people thought, and I think a lot of might still be into this stuff today, because the second reason was astrological. Oh. Um, so some doctors like, no, no, it is God, but like it's because God lined up the planets in a very specific way, and this is like bizarrely specific. But for some reason, they decided that in France, which is apparently the only place that matters when you have the plague. On the 20th of March, 1345, they had a bad conjunction of Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars in the air sign Aquarius. And for some reason, that means you're going to get some some bad shit happening to you. And they thought basically that that is what started the plague in the east and then allowed it to travel further west. So for everyone reading their horoscopes out there, check for a plague. <laughs> Just in case, you know. Just in case. Yeah. Um, it's still pretty predominantly used up until about 1665, which was the last major plague epidemic in England. I'm not going to talk about that one basically at all because it's not that important to what I'm talking about because I said OG only. There are several other plagues, including one in 1665. And at that point, people still were like, yeah, like it's the stars that released a miasma, which is bad air and something. <laughs> ha- these planets being an Aquarius is like going to be our downfall so that was a a theory another one was the humeral theory most people kind of know about this (laughs) theoretically the uh the elements earth water fire air make up everything that we are and it's kind of the basis for medicine 
And then we have four humors, which are yellow bile, black bile, phlegm, and blood. So if you're all balanced, then you're safe and sound. But if anything's out of balance, somehow, some way, you're like exhibiting some kind of symptom. You're not well, you're ill. And one of the ways that you might get yourself back in balance, as you already said, was uh, bloodletting. <laughs> so <laughs> when these people are getting all these buboes and they're vomiting blood, they're like leeches. That'll do it. <laughs> these are the same people that are like, your uterus is just banging into your brain. That's why you're crazy. So <laughs> Yeah, they never really conned on to any of this. But yeah, the leeches aren't going to help a lot, unfortunately, for the sick people. The last one, and this is the least funny slash most depressing one. If you weren't blaming the stars or the kind of four humors or even God necessarily, you were blaming the Jewish community. And that is because for the most part, since people in medieval Europe weren't like super tight with the Jewish people, they sort of lived in their own communities. And it started to bother the Europeans when to them, it seemed like the Jews weren't getting sick. They were like, that's weird. Now there's two things that could have been happening there. Firstly, it could have been that because they were living in their own communities and potentially had better standards of washing and like sanitation and health, it might be that they just didn't get it as easily. The Mm. other very possible kind of solution to this question, basically, is that potentially they were also dying at the exact same rate. And because they were just sort of off in their own communities, no one took note of it. So not really certain on that. So some people accuse them of poisoning the wells, which doesn't seem like a continental issue like the entire continent of europe is getting their wells poisoned Mm. (laughs) so unfortunately a lot of jewish people start to move east at this time towards like poland and russia and that's why you do get such high communities like high population communities in the east and you do get a little bit later not quite right after this but a few decades after the jews are actually completely expelled from england so That's kind of a hot mess. It's obviously really sad that like any of that happened, but it was one of the theories. And the Pope, Pope Clement VI, actually did try to protect the Jews. And he released two papal bulls basically saying like Christians shouldn't be blaming the Jewish people. Like that has no effect on why this is happening to us. So it's, you know, one of the few times that the Pope actually stood up for another religious group. Wow. Interesting. not know that <laughs> that one's like really depressing i'm like that how do you make that fun you don't yeah yeah man i don't yeah, the poor jews i mean the holocaust and then this shit like oh man whole yeah today's the 75th anniversary of the liberation of auschwitz oh really oh yeah mm-hmm. oh man see that by the russians but yeah man they had it yeah, they were even, like, living on their own, not really bothering yeah. anyone. And they're like, yeah, but why aren't you dying? And it's like, well, actually, we wash our hands sometimes. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe that would help. We don't walk in streets filled with bodily fluids all day. Yeah. Or being <laughs> dietary, since their diets are different. Oh, that's true, too. Yeah. I was thinking because they don't eat pigs and stuff. And who knows how well their pigs were taken care of when oh, they at the butcher. Oh, yeah, the rot. I mean, every movie you see is like the rotting pig with flies all over it. Like, no. Ugh. Nope. Gross. <laughs> Hard pass. Yeah, so it was pretty much a bad time 
in general, but it was especially a bad time for the Jewish community who had to see a plague happen. And then they were like, by the way, leave. You've got to march through plague-ridden territory. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I'm just going to talk a bit about England now. So actually, before the plague reached England at all, King I mentioned earlier, Edward III, his daughter, Princess Joan, was actually traveling to Castile to get married. And on her way in Bordeaux, she actually caught the plague and died. And she was one of the first major English people to get the plague because, like, it hadn't reached England proper yet. So when the news got back there, they were all kind of shocked to hear that, like, their princess was dead, which kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it really messed up their their political agenda. They were like, sorry, Castile, like, we tried. <laughs> 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 and then they reached England in like the second half of 1348. It was written that the pestilence arrived in London on the Feast of All Saints Day, which is the 1st of November, and daily deprived many of life. It grew so powerful that between Candlemas and Easter, which is the 2nd of February to the 12th of April, more than 200 corpses were buried almost every day in the new burial ground made next to Smithfield. And this was in addition to the bodies buried in other graveyards in the city. Oh, my um, God. That's a lot so of people. Yeah. Like, an average of 200 a day is kind of a mess for your society. Yeah. Um, and so, in that quote, it mentioned a burial ground next to Smithfield. And that is actually what led me to being kind of on this podcast in the first place, because you were kind of asking about, like, anyone who knew something or, like, had an interesting topic to talk about on disease. And one of those burial grounds or burial pits that was created just outside the city in Smithfield, I actually worked there when I was in London. And so the story basically of this burial ground, it's called Charterhouse Square now. There was a knight named Walter Manny, and he had actually come over when the King Edward III, previously to all of this, was getting married. And so he was from a place called Haino on the continent. and the queen-to-be was coming over from there, and so he was, like, in her retinue of knights. And he stays there in England, and he fights alongside Edward, because Edward's, like, a conqueror king, so he's fighting the Scottish. And like I said, he also starts the Hundred Years' War with the French, because he thinks he has a claim to their throne. So he's fighting all these battles, and Walter Manny is kind of fighting alongside him. And so, of course, he is gaining a lot of, like, respect and honor within their society, He becomes a knight of the garter, but most importantly, he's making loads and loads of cash. Mm -hmm. So he gets really wealthy in all of this. And when the Black Death hits London, like basically it destroys the city. There are so many people each day dying. And despite the fact that within like the square mile, the city of London itself, there are a ton of parish churches. There's just not enough space to bury them all. And so they're like, oh, shit, like, what do we do with all of these bodies? Because they can't just leave them. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they what they decide to do is actually Walter Manny himself is trying to be a really good Catholic boy, and good Catholics at the time would have known that it is faith and good works that help you get into heaven. And for him, because he has so much money, so he decides to use some of that money to rent land just outside the city walls. It's actually in London today in terms of like what we think of as the capital but the city of london which is just like the square mile the financial district essentially it's just outside those walls okay so yeah london is like a mess it's confusing (laughs) um (laughs) 
But so just outside that, but like still in what we would consider London today, is this really nice square today. At the time, it would have been fields and it was land owned by St. Bart's. And so he rents this land and they basically dig a giant burial pit. So it's like a communal burial pit for as many as they can possibly get in there. And so, so yeah, so he creates this, like I said, it's called Charterhouse Square. And eventually, like later on, Walter Manny in like the 1370s, after the plague has abated, he turns the land next to it into a monastery. And then that monastery continued to like become other things. So the site actually still has like a like buildings there and stuff. But then the square just outside of it is still where that pit was. So they actually excavated it back in, I want to say 2013, because it had never been excavated before. And they only did one corner, like one small corner. It's only about like five meters across in diameter, which I have no idea how many feet that is. No, we don't do maths here. (laughs) No, we barely do words. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they, yeah, they excavated just one small part of it and they found 25 bodies and they did test them. So some of them were from later periods and some of them were even from later outbreaks of the plague as far as I know but there were definitely some of the bodies in obviously like the lowest down that were from 1348 um they tested their teeth and they did find the Yersinia pestis uh, bacterium in the teeth so we know that's what killed them now like I said they only dug up 25 because they didn't do very much of the square estimates are all over the place I've seen as low as 2000 I've seen as high as like 40,000. I think that's too high. Um, I think somewhere safe would be about 10 to 20,000. But obviously, as someone who's not an archaeologist, and also since it's never been dug up, like I can't conclusively say. What I can say is it's a fuck ton of skeletons. And now it is a beautiful square where children come and play like on their break from school. And, like, people sit on the weekends, and it's, like, very nicely landscaped, and no one knows that there's, like, thousands of bodies beneath them. So, it's a fun place to be. Wow, that's some poltergeist shit right there. So, it's kind of a mess. One of my favorite stories about this is that Scotland was like, oh, like, we hate the English. They've been attacking us. Edward III's been fucking us up for, like, the last so many years. And now they're all sick. That's so funny. Like, they're weak why don't we go attack them at their weakest? Because, like, this is a plague from God sent to punish the English for being bad. So they sent <laughs> all of their warriors down to England, and they weren't sick with the plague because it didn't make it to Scotland. All their warriors go down, they come back, and they bring the plague back. So oh, that was a great good. idea. Yeah, good like job, Scotland. Yeah. There's nothing that could possibly go wrong with that. Yeah, so that was a bad move. But overall, it killed about 25 million people in Europe. Estimates now are that about 50 to 60% of all Londoners died. So that's why obviously they did need these massive plague pits because it was just so destructive to the overall population there. And it has been claimed that after 1348, there was never a gap of more than five years between outbreaks of plague. They were never quite as big as the first one, but every five years you'd have somewhere getting it again. There's a one point where they have the plague of the children, so that's pretty depressing. Oh. And as you can imagine, when you kill off like one and a third of Europe, there are a bunch of changes that occurred. So you have things like memento mori coming up, which is basically the idea of remember that you are going to die. And it becomes like a 
really morbid Christian practice of like, you're going to die. And at some point, no matter how rich or whatever you are on earth, we're all going to die. And God is going to determine whether we go to heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. And so it gets it gets really morbid. They have a bunch of art in the years following the Black Death of people being like chased by demons. Sometimes they're like laying in bed and like skeletons are like standing over them creepily. It's kind of gross. Sometimes like worms are like trying to eat their decaying bodies. So like the art after <laughs> the Black Death is nasty. It's not pleasant to look at. There's also this kind of like phenomenon afterwards called the dance macabre, which is basically images showing skeletons playing instruments and dancing around <laughs> as like part of the dance of death. Uh-huh, um, I like that. Which is weird. They're just like, <laughs> I you know saw what? that in Coco. Just <laughs> <laughs> they just get really into it. So they're like, you know what? Skeletons, like, fuck it. It's time to dance. <laughs> yeah, it's time to party. This isn't specifically like only after the Black Death because there were instances of this before, but you also get a renewed interest in things like doom paintings. And doom paintings are basically when somebody paints a last judgment. So they're like, hey, remember that God's literally going to be like, fuck off to hell when you're dead or like go to heaven like you're good. So they'd paint all that kind of stuff to be like, haha, remember that this is this is not forever. Mm hmm. And then I did try to look, so I was interested because obviously this being like the spooky topic, I did want to try to find if there were hauntings. Now, unfortunately, I found this very difficult to search because it turns out that nobody likes to talk about which plague instance they're talking about. And often when you find hauntings, they're not from this like original plague, they're from other plagues. And I was really trying to keep it authentic here. But I found two that I'm going to talk about. So there's one in York, and York is apparently one of the most haunted cities in the UK, which I didn't know. And so there was a house in York right by the Minster, which is like the church, and it's been nicknamed the Playhouse. It is supposedly haunted from multiple sources. I've tried to piece this story together. But basically, there's a six-year-old girl, and her parents got sick during the Black Death in their home. And so the people were worried that she would also have the disease. And so when her parents got sick, they decided to basically lock her in the house with her parents. And her parents died, obviously, but she was just like locked in the house with her dead parents' bodies. Oh, God. Get out. (laughs) And supposedly, as the story goes, she wasn't infected. And so because she was locked in and all the windows were boarded up, she just basically slowly starved to death all alone. Oh. And so some people claim that if you look up at the window of this building, you can still see a girl standing at the window with her tears running down her face, like trying to figure out how to get out. Now, I will say I will say this story just like for covering my own ass on this one. I could not get a conclusive date on this one. So some people say it's Black Death and some 1665 plague, but I just got bored trying to figure out which one it is and put it in here. Um, <laughs> I was like, you know what? It's good enough. And then the other one, which is about the site I actually worked at, the Charter House, so Charter House Square. According to London Urban Legends, The Corpse on the Tube and Other Stories by Scott Wood, he says that there was that um, monastery on the site that I mentioned. Eventually, like I said, it became a bunch of things, including at one point a boys' school. And so the author of this book claims that the boys 
Apparently, the schoolboys of the Charterhouse School would dare each other to crawl across the square at midnight when the groans and cries of the dead below could be heard. And there's, like, stories of them going out and pressing their ear to the ground and, like, hearing the screams of all the plague victims buried in the ground there. And obviously, there are actually plague victims. I actually never heard anyone at the place I worked at talk about this as if it was, like, a real story that they knew had happened. Um, mm. But it's a fun story to think about these schoolboys, like, daring each other at midnight to just go mm-hmm. crawl across the square and press their ear to the ground. Oh, man. So, so that, that was my cool. attempt at making this ghosty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've seen the new Dracula on Netflix, but there's a scene where they're in a graveyard and they can hear everybody screaming from mm-hmm. underneath. Uh, that reminds me I of. I haven't yeah. seen it. It's I just good. finished it. It's pretty good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. But no, that was a good story. I did not I know. know some of that. So that's really cool. I, yeah, I didn't know most of it. I really love that ghost story about the boys daring each other. Yeah. That's really cool. And I very like creepy. Kind of I wouldn't want to do that. True. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. I would either. Like, having been there in the winter when we would leave and it would be dark. And, like, obviously there's street lighting now. I'd be like, oh, hell no. If it was, like, the 1800s, I'm not doing that. <laughs> well, and then now I can just imagine the lights going out slowly. Just, uh, no. Just make a movie on that. <laughs> TM. Yeah. We got this. <laughs> For somebody out there, make the movie. Give us a cut. I don't know. I like that idea because I know like my school had a ghost story. Most people I know have some sort of ghosty story growing up. We too. had um, the site that I worked at. It's been loads of things. Like it was a Tudor Manor at one point. It was like a schoolhouse for schoolboys. And now currently like people still live there because we, we do tours of it. And so at one point somebody came on the tour. And they were like, oh, like, I can sense ghosts. <laughs> and they were, like, they were like, yeah, I don't know if you know, but, like, this staircase is particularly haunted. <laughs> and we were like, oh, that's weird. We were like, that that staircase, like, a, there's always been a staircase there, but that one's a, a pretty new one because the old one was really damaged in the Second World War. They're like, so actually that staircase is only, like, I don't know, 50 years old, maybe? Like, that's haunted? He's like, no, there's a lot that. of ghosts. I can feel the presence of ghosts <laughs> i love it in my hometown there's this really old log cabin it's the oldest structure in arkansas and people would always be like i can sense that there's ghosts hanging from these stairs this is where they hanged people i can sense it i can see it at midnight and i'm like that's the stairs weren't there <laughs> when it was a courthouse the they new. didn't exist those are new but yeah <laughs> people people crack me up I'm like sorry to bust your bubble but you know, historians, we're here to bust your bubble. <laughs> <laughs> Just like we said. That, that, maybe uh, that's why I like professional. <laughs> pop your boil. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. I could just. Sorry. <laughs> Europeans in general smelled so bad on a good day. Can you imagine infested with boils that are just like, oh, my, I can't. 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 Oh. I know. In all of your worst, sweatiest areas. That's so gross. <laughs> Like, if we ever discover time travel, I might just skip that one. Unless I have, like, some sort of hazmat suit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want a full, like, chrome give it a titanium pass. suit. Yeah. Not a hard pass. Learn to bathe. We could just do, like, a drive-by. <laughs> Water's not evil. Here's the soap. <laughs> now nah, you're a witch. <laughs> it's uh-huh. true. Like, every... 
century, there's something that I, I'm like, I would have been burned as a witch. <laughs> no. Man, that was a good segment. So the thing is, all mine are really depressing. So do you want historical, random, or morbid? Random. A random. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, that one's slightly better. Morbid's morbid. So my random word came from Frankie D. And he gave me, Jesus Christ, he gave me penetration. And uh, nothing goes better with that than syphilis. So gross. It's true. <laughs> Why? What's all, like all the boils and grossness? Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and it, I have to say, this is like coming back on you, Keenix, to all those dick jokes. <laughs> oh true. goodness, this is karma, <laughs> karma, bitch, coming in penetration. Yeah, well, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's get in it. Yeah, let's jump right in. So, from the very beginning, syphilis has had a very stigmatized aura around it each country whose population was affected by it blamed its neighboring and sometimes enemy countries for the outbreak so i found this i mean it's funny now probably wasn't funny then so people of italy germany and the uk named syphilis the french disease the french named it the neapolitan disease the russians assigned it with the polish disease label and the polish called it the german disease and the danish called it the portuguese disease and the inhabitants of north africa named it the spanish castilian disease and the turks called it the christian disease (laughs) so in india muslims blamed the hindu and then the hindu blamed the muslims and in the end everybody blamed the europeans that sounds fair yeah it's like (laughs) that i think everybody's pointing you know, every direction. It makes a circle. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is very well-rounded. And no one's pointing the finger in the right direction. Yeah, not one person. <laughs> <laughs> a letter written in June of 1495 by an Italian doctor named Niccolo Squalassi. I don't know. Perfect. Yeah, it sounds great. Contains one of the first written mentions of syphilis. He wrote, quote, there are itching sensations and an unpleasant pain in the joints. The skin is inflamed with revolting scabs and is covered in swellings and tubercles, which are livid red colors at first, and then they become blacker. <laughs> it oh often God. begins with the private parts. Nothing could be more serious than this curse, this barbarian <laughs> poison. <laughs> I wish that everyone could, like, see the face that I made the longer you read that. Because I, I feel like it just got worse and worse. Oh, yeah, join Patreon. You can see that. I know it's not funny if you have stuff, but... You have to laugh. Got it. Laugh or cry. It's just yeah. a black, decaying dick. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. It's fine. All good. So, in 1495, there was an epidemic of a new and terrible disease that broke out among the soldiers of Charles VIII of France when he invaded Naples in the first of the Italian Wars. The impact on the peoples of Europe was devastating, and this outbreak of syphilis was called the Great Pox. Very ominous. <laughs> it sounds like like death chicken pox. Like. <laughs> yeah. I didn't I didn't mention, but the, the Black Death was also called, like, the Great Pestilence. And then you've got the Great Pox. So it's like, all these diseases are just so great. Like, we're loving it. It's having a great time. Yeah. They're all great. Everything's 
great. It's fun. I'm doing fine. <laughs> As you lie there, just oozing. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm so glad I didn't eat much more eat much for dinner. <laughs> this is so bad. Oh, here we go. So, although it didn't have the horrendous mortality of the bubonic plague, its symptoms were painful and repulsive. The appearance of genital sores, followed by foul abscesses and ulcers over the rest of the body, and severe pains. So, there's my there's my throwback to your plague. There we go. Perfect. It's like, is that all? <laughs> and, and there wasn't a lot of, you know anything to do about it so they're like hey let's just give you some mercury so that didn't turn out well if you can imagine and then they also did oh my god i'm not gonna say suffumigations i think that's how you say it and it's just basically like smoking you out it's supposed to cure you down there (laughs) i guess just just like what is it they do now the oh shit 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 Oh, what's that thing they do for, like, ghosts and stuff? Sage. Like, sage in <gasps> your other <Uh-oh>. regions. <laughs> like, that's what it sounded like oh, when I, I googled. Getting, it made me think of, like, Gwyneth Paltrow and her, like, goop company where they all go out and, like, a- and, like steam their vaginas and stuff. Like, that's <laughs> the vibe that I got. Literally. It's probably a combination so- of the two. <laughs> Absolutely. Like less civilized as Gwyneth Paltrow, but she probably studied this, and that's how the idea approached. <laughs> She's like, you know what would first. be cool? We just did the syphilis cure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's not already hot down there. It's fine. Steam would help. <laughs> yeah, I saw it pop up on I think Twitter that she has a candle called "My Vagina Smells Like This," and I'm like, why? Why? Why is that sold out? I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> Oh, man, she is just a, I guess, a genius. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. (laughs) So they also did sweat baths. Healers believe that sweating would purge the body of the syphilis poisons. Also, spoiler alert, did not work. An Italian poet named Guillermo Francastro was the first person to actually call the illness syphilis. In a long poem... Of that title was published in 1530. Syphilis is a character possibly based on one of the Ovid Metamorphoses style poems where he is a shepherd to the king and the shepherd angers the sun god Apollo by blaming the god for a drought. In response, Apollo curses syphilis with a dreadful disease that spreads wildly through the area where the syphilis lives. It even infects the kings whose flock syphilis tends. Aw, poor syphilis. <laughs> now we're just feeling bad for syphilis. <laughs> it wasn't his fault. So I'm assuming It's always those wily gods. I'm assuming the author had syphilis and he was like, How can I turn this? How can I make this better? Syphilis is the victim. He's guy. he's a master of skin. <laughs> so actually the history of syphilis has been well studied, which I did not realize. I didn't realize there were so many uh, syphilis historians out there, but all right. But the origin of the disease is pretty much unknown. There are two hypotheses out there. One proposes that syphilis was carried to Europe from the Americas by Christopher Columbus. Fuck that guy. And the other one is that Europe already had it, but people didn't recognize the symptoms and it just evolved. So here's the pre-Columbian and the Columbian hypotheses. 
I don't really like the Colombian one because it's like, oh, they went to the New World and all the natives gave them syphilis. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't buy that one. <laughs> it's just, I don't either. I can, I can believe more that it mutated, like it, mm-hmm. you know, started off as just a simple virus and and then mutated to whatever this is and yeah, it's epidemic. <laughs> yeah, and with another one of uh, next week's stories, I'm gonna do it talks about how when all these civilizations start coming together. With the change of food and drinks and tobacco, everything, it starts mutating everything. So everything got worse because you're before everybody was so isolated. So how something affected you. But when you started coming into contact with people that didn't have that, everything evolved. So I'm kind of like on the favor of that, too. But also, I didn't really like that a lot of these sources kind of left out that, yeah, he brought back syphilis because he was raping everybody, enslaving peoples and the natives. I don't think people should forget that part. So. Fuck that guy. Anyway. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> Just so you know. We have, a, we have a fuck you list, and he is number one. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about Columbus, but... I mean, he's tied with Hitler. I mean, they're both really just horrible people, but anyway. Moving on. Syphilis was one of the first new diseases to be called syphilis around the time of the printing press. So it actually spread really quickly and widely, and people knew about it, and it was... Front page news for a long time. It was also the first disease to be recognized as a sexually transmitted disease. So I was also shocked that they figured that out so long ago. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how the, how they figured that out. Yeah. Other uh, than just like, obviously she had it and I slept with her and now I have it or something. Yeah, and a lot of it was that I don't know if they actually figured it out completely but they immediately was like, oh, it's a moral thing. So uh, they, yeah, the whole be sexual behavior, moral deviance, blah, blah, blah. Sinners. So they might have accidentally stumbled on it by slut shaming people. <laughs> All those promiscuous people getting syphilis. <laughs> yes. By the 18th century, syphilis was no longer an epidemic like it had been in the previous years. And it came to resemble more of what the version is today. Uh, okay, so it's about to get really dark and uncomfortable because there's a really important part of history that people like to forget happened, but you have to talk about it. So the Tuskegee experiment. Have you guys heard about it? I think yes. And okay. I know why. Yeah. Yeah, cool. it's bad. It's so bad. Okay. Yeah, that's something great. <laughs> so in 1932, there was no treatment for syphilis at the time. And uh, they recruited 600 black men with the promise of getting free medical care to be enrolled in this project. And it's really important to note that these men were poor sharecroppers. They'd never seen a doctor in their entire lives. They were desperate and they were actually really excited for a chance to have medical care, which is even more fucking devastating. Oh, God. So sad. Well, I don't like where this is going. It's, it's not <laughs> I, I know the name. I can't remember why. And I don't like where this is going. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. So doctors from the U.S., like the government, Public Health Service, was running a study. And uh, 399 men were injected with syphilis. And then 201 of them were a control group. So they were not injected with syphilis. But they were not told. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is really, really, really bad. 
The men were monitored by health workers that they were only given placebos like aspirin or mineral mineral supplements, despite the fact that penicillin actually became recommended to treat syphilis in 1947. So even after a treatment for syphilis came around, they were like, no, we got to keep doing this. So that makes it even worse. So researchers convinced local physicians in that county not to treat the participants and research was done at the Tuskegee Institute. And it's now called the Tuskegee University. It was founded in 1881 with Booker T. Washington as its first teacher. That's just a random fact to try to try to make this better. Okay, so in order to track the disease, researchers provided no effective care as the men died, went blind, went insane, or experienced other severe health problems due to their untreated syphilis. In the mid-1960s, the PHS venereal disease investigator in San Francisco named Peter Buxton found out about the study and expressed his concerns, I mean, yes, to his superiors and said it was unethical because, yes, it is horribly unethical. In response, officials formed a committee to review the study but ultimately opted out and said the goal of it was to track the participants until all of them had died and were autopsied. A whole group of people knew this was going on, and then they all agreed to just let it happen. They can't just autopsy, like, someone that had it beforehand? No, because they wanted to track it from, like, injection to death. Yeah, beginning to end. Mm -hmm. But, like, all these men. Which, they had probably already autopsied a lot of people. This is just, oh my god. And so, so they started it. They started it before penicillin, you said. Yeah. And before, then, and then the cure came out, and then they just were like, "We're gonna keep going." Meh. But okay. While this was going, none of these men knew they had it. Yeah. And just okay. think about that. They're married. They're having kids. They're I know. That's why. That's why yeah. I'm processing this. I'm like, wait. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad already, and then it's sinking in about the magnitude of who they've been with, and yes, it, and it's so gonna bad. get worse. But right. I don't know. <laughs> this guy actually was like, I can't live with this. And he leaked this story to the press. And okay. his friend that's in, a reporter actually passed it on to a fellow reporter, Jean Heller from the Associated Press. And she broke the story in July 1972. And it prompted a public outrage. And they forced the study to shut down. So thank God. So, you know, anybody that says the press are annoying. This is one of those examples where... The press saved people because digging into things, proving things are unethical. But <laughs> by the time they had actually found this, 28 participants had died from syphilis. A hundred more had passed away from related complications. And at least 40 spouses had been diagnosed with it. And it had been passed on to 19 children at birth. Oh, no. Oh, my God. So oh, it's so horrible. It's so bad. In 1973, Congress held hearings on the Tuskegee experiments, and the following year, the study's surviving participants, along with their heirs who died, received $10 million out of court settlement, which is not nearly enough for what they went through. There were literally rats in a cage being studied as they're going blind and crazy. Oh, like it's horrible. For the government, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not. Terrible. It's, it's terrible and it's because they were black men and they were poor and that's what so breaks my heart this would have never happened otherwise i just can't 
So, because of this, new guidelines were issued to protect human subjects in the U.S. government-funded research projects. But if you can remember, in 1947, the Nuremberg, Nuremberg Code was established in response to the Nazi experiments that happened. So, because of that, this should have never happened to begin with. So, that's why it's even more devastating. President Clinton was the first president to issue apology in 1997. That's that way too damn long. That's way too long. He said, quote, the United States government did something that was wrong, deeply, profoundly, morally wrong. It is not only in remembering that shameful past that we can make amends and repair our nation, but it is in remembering that past that we can build a better present and a better future. During his apology, the president announced plans to establish a Tuskegee University National Center for Bioethics in Research and Healthcare. And then the final study participant passed away in 2004. I mean, oh, my God. It's kind of like Clinton was the first one to apologize for Rwanda, too. Like, I don't know. The United States has done some shady shit. And I just can't believe yeah. it so long for people to apologize. It's, it's, like, so sad, too. Like, I think when I was doing research for my dissertation, I think, like, in the last 10 years or so, like, it's been pretty recent. That mm. was the first time... The, the House of Representatives ever apologized for, like, the concept of slavery. And the yeah. Senate has never done that. And yeah. I was like, yeah, it, it only took you guys until the 2010s. Like, y'all are real quick with that response. Mm-hmm. And this, I did not know this happened. And this blew my mind. So in 2010, President Barack Obama and other federal officials apologized for another unethical U.S.-sponsored medical study. And I did not know this happened. And it was in Guatemala. In that study, from 1946 to 1948, nearly 700 men and women, prisoners, soldiers, and mental patients, were intentionally infected with syphilis. Hundreds more people were exposed to other STDs as part of the study, without their knowledge or their consent. The purpose of the study was to determine whether penicillin could prevent, not just cure, syphilis infection. Some of those who became infected never received medical treatment at all. Jesus Christ. Okay. The result of the study, which took place with the cooperation of the Guatemalan government officials, was never published. The American public health researcher in charge of the project, Dr. John Cutler, went on to become the lead researcher in the Tuskegee. Tusk oh that's a hard word to say. Tuskegee experience. It's hard to say when you're upset. <laughs> Tuskegee yeah. experience. So I'm too angry. Did, I'm too <laughs> mad. So yeah, the guy that did this one hopped on over into that to the Americans. Oh. So following his death in 2003, historian Susan Reverby uncovered the records of the Guatemalan experiments while doing research on the Tuskegee study. She shared her findings with the U.S. government officials in 2010. So, fuck yeah, historian. This would have never been known if she hadn't have found it. So, soon afterwards, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Secretary of Health and Human Services Kathleen Sebelius issued an apology for the STD study. And the president actually called the president of Guatemala and apologized for experiments, too. <sighs> So I don't think I can come back from that, but then I'm just going to end this on some famous people that have syphilis or possibly have syphilis. And they range from, and I'm going to let you guess, uh, I do that, to make sense or shut your whore mouth, Kina. Okay. All right. All right. Number one, Al Capone. 
That makes sense. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> so, you know, he's like the baddest dude in American history, but he wasn't taken down with a hail of bullets like a gangster, like his friends, but he was done in by two things, taxes and a wandering dick. <laughs> When Al Capone assumed control of the Chicago outfit, he took control of several cat houses. His status afforded him the opportunity to consort with many female employees. Then Scarface contracted syphilis, but he was too ashamed to address the condition medically. And because syphilis lies dormant in the body for many years after infection, it wasn't until his incarceration in Alcatraz that his condition was diagnosed. By then, his brain function was already being affected to such a degree that they actually released him from jail in 1939. It was just all mush in there. So when public speculation began to like kind of whisper about his syphilis, he would reassert himself as a mob boss in Chicago. And his associate, Jake Greasy Thumb Guzik, Guzik, I don't know, famously stated I love this. Quote, Al is nuttier than a fruitcake. <laughs> I just love it. 1930s accent that I can't do. Just imagine that. <laughs> in your head. And then he spent the last few weeks of his life in Palm Island, Florida. He suffered a stroke, which is a symptom of syphilis. And then he died at the age of 48 on January 25th, 1947. Which, what is, is that the day that com- this comes out? Wait, uh, oh, no, 26th this comes out. So, yesterday. <laughs> He died. <laughs> All right, the next one. Beethoven. Oh. <laughs> I I knew I knew that one or because music major, so oh, yeah. That one I'm not, oh, I'm not okay. surprised on. And I think of Mozart and all those like composer players that could sleep with a lot of people, so mm-hmm. they were rock stars. They were like the rock day. stars, yeah. 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 Uh, that one's another one I'm not really surprised. But you should still shut your whore mouth, Kina. <laughs> so even from a relatively young age, Ludwig van Beethoven's health was an issue. Two factors probably did not help with his wellness, his daily heavy consumption of alcohol, and his frequent patronage to the cat houses. And uh, just FYI, deafness is actually a symptom of syphilis if it's not treated. So... He also suffered from poor digestion, diarrhea, extremely painful headaches, and bronchitis, which are all, you know, parts of syphilis. Which I'm like, who recorded his diarrhea that it's now historical record? <laughs> That's what I want to do when I read Medical this. records, I guess? Or I, I guess. I mean, this is a lot. the doctor for that? The doctors. He could have. He could have pulled like he should have pulled like a Martin Luther and like moved his piano in the bathroom and just be like, "Yep, compose it on the toilet. Like it's fine." <laughs> like Martin Luther. Martin Luther wrote like a bunch of his treatises like on the toilet. And you know what? Respect. You're multitasking. Yeah. To yeah. think if he had a cell phone. Unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, abnormally high levels of lead was found in Beethoven's hair and there were symptoms of cirrhosis on the liver indicated that he had succumbed to a consumption of a large amount of wine that was illegally but frequently fortified with lead to improve taste. Jesus Christ, people of the past. No. <laughs> Although we were worried about they even lived as long as they did. Right. Treat that with mercury. Throw some lead in it. Have a leech. <laughs> I just, I don't. Like, I it's don't a know. miracle anyone made it past, like, 12 years old. 
It's true. I know. How is civilization alive? Sometimes I just wonder. <laughs> I, know, I think probably every century is like, how did I survive? Like, I'm from the 80s. We didn't even have car seats. <laughs> like, how did we make it? <laughs> I know. My dad's truck does not have seat belts. It's mm-hmm. a 65 Chevy. Does not yeah. have seat belts. <laughs> it's crazy. So it's never been absolutely determined that he had syphilis but a lot of historians it makes sense they were all getting it and then my final one abraham lincoln okay that one i didn't know about yeah i can i can kind of see it yeah so he didn't marry until he was 33 but you know he was a a dude, I guess. He was like, <laughs> 33 before that. I mean, I'm sure he was frequent in something. So after he died, his former law partner, William uh, Herdon, claimed that Lincoln actually admitted to him that he contracted syphilis around 1835. So, you know, that's a weird thing to just confide with your, you know, co-worker. He cannot tell a lie. Yeah. Hey, dude. Guess what? I got the tip. How, how does that come up in conversation? I know. Like we were coworkers. Like, how are you doing today? Oh, I got the sifts. I just found out yesterday. Guess what happened? Turning a little black down there. It's fine. Uh, yeah, he said that he spent a lot of time on the Mississippi River and in New Orleans, and uh, he was a patron of many cat houses. All right. They also found that he was taking mercury pills, too, which, as we know, is a horrible treatment for syphilis. But the thing that I found more convincing is that if he actually passed syphilis to his wife, Mary Todd, that might be an explanation while she kind of descended into hysteria in her life. She she did kind of. So before she passed away in 1882, she experienced other symptoms like. Knife-like back pain, dementia, impaired coordination, weight loss, eventually blindness. So they'll never know because after Lincoln died, he was never autopsied. Only his brain was. Why only his brain? I'm not sure. (laughs) The most important part of him. They were like, eh. Like, this is so specific. (laughs) I mean, also... Most people in that time period probably would have lived if you didn't stick your finger in the bullet holes. So I'm sure there was just, there was not a lot of forethought, I suppose, no. into things. I don't know. Maybe they just thought that he had a big old brain and they wanted to look at it. I don't know. It's hard no. to say. I also saw a thing that said that, uh, oh shit, who shot him? <laughs> just blanked. <laughs> who assassinated him? Is oh, it- Booth. Booth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, why can't I think of his name? Is it John Wilkes? John Wilkes yeah. Booth. Yeah, John Wilkes oh, Booth. Oh God, I suck. Yeah, I saw a thing that said that he had syphilis too. They could have been friends. Like, hey, I got it too. They, he could have probably cut in line in front of him in the doctor's office, and that's what set it off. It changed history. He got the last mercury pills. Doctor's like, sorry, I'll out for the day. And then Booth was like. <laughs> No, he's like, I'm on the way to the theater, and he's like, coming for you, motherfucker. Yeah, it's probably a thing. (laughs) Yeah, so this one's very controversial, as you can tell. But I mean, it kind of people have almost like deified him as like this great American. So I mean, maybe it kind of humanizes him a bit. It's the same with like all of our like Beethoven. Um, you know, I think of Thomas Jefferson. Like all of these great. 
men that did do great things, either invented or led, created music that we still play today, but they aren't perfect. And they're men. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to go to the brothels. Also, wrap that shit up, people. (laughs) STDs are preventable. We know that now. Like, it isn't a PSA for, like, (laughs) get tested. Please wrap everything before anything happens. Like, dear Lord. Don't be like Abraham Lincoln. That would be, like, the one time you could say that. (laughs) It makes me think on our social media, we post uh, pictures that relate to our episode. What will these (laughs) photos be? That's what I'm wondering right now. Just Abraham Lincoln. Be like, guess what? <laughs> I'm thinking Lincoln and then someone's really gnarled dick. And that's, that's going to be <laughs> like Oils. Yeah. No, yeah. It'll be a fun time. Look out for those. <laughs> <laughs> Heads up. <laughs> if you're curious about what syphilis and plague look like, we're going to give that to you. <laughs> Stunning visual. Oh my gosh, just put a video of Pimple Popper. (laughs) Oh my god. God, We thought we wouldn't laugh this episode. Okay. (laughs) We've pulled through. (laughs) I know, we're now to my segment, which is funny. Yay! And my stuff is all totally fake because it's Excuses kids came up with to get out of school. <laughs> nice. So I went with like faux illnesses and just dumbass excuses because not all of them are sick ones. But <laughs> my favorites though are the ones where the kids write it. <laughs> it's like so obviously not an adult handwriting. <laughs> I'm so excited because the letters to Santa is probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life so I'm yeah, excited I still need to find out if I'm related to Harold yes <laughs> <laughs> and one of them it says seems legit it is not it is in a six-year-old's handwriting it says dear miss miller in all curvy lines it said ray is so sick he cannot go to school signed ray's mom <laughs> no homework please <laughs> Home walk, I should say. No home walk, please, because spelling is not 100% at this oh, point. Oh, must be so young. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. This next one is forgot to put on underwear. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, forgot to put underwear on my littlest emergency trip to Walmart. You know it goes. And I'm like, that's terrible. <laughs> You know what? Sometimes it's just one of those days. I really don't appreciate that the school still marked that unexcused. They should they should understand. They should. <laughs> I just love this next one. It's another one that is totally a child's handwriting. It says, Matt and I have no idea what the next name is because letters are written on top of each other. <laughs> but it's Matt and somebody. <laughs> On Monday, no school. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Another one that was a doctor's note. It says parent signature and someone wrote mommy with lots of words. Professional. Precious. (laughs) (laughs) This is another great one that a child obviously wrote. And it says, 
Mrs. Clifton, Ronnie can bring his PSP to class all the time he wants to. He has my permission. I am his mom, and what I say goes. <laughs> Signed, Ronnie's mom. <laughs> I love that. I wish Ronnie's mom would write me notes like that. I know. I wish I had his penmanship. His is actually better than mine. <laughs> I was too terrified of my mom to forge her handwriting in anything. So I don't I wouldn't even think to do it. I granted I have a teacher mom. Mm-hmm. I, so she would like no, we're not doing this. <laughs> 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 this is another one. This is a note from a kid that is signing it from the teacher to the parent. So it says there will be, and it's on notebook paper, y'all. So, you know, it's legit. If you get a note from the teacher and it's on notebook paper (laughs) in a child's handwriting, (laughs) it says there will be no school this week. (laughs) (laughs) There will be no school this week. So Calvin can stay home and play video games from Mrs. T. I am the teacher with lots of explanations. <laughs> <laughs> I have spoken. I know. It's <laughs> just like, bless their hearts if they're that desperate to get out. I mean, I do applaud the, you know, perseverance here. They really thought they were going to get away with this. That's some creative ideas. Yeah, I would have never thought of that. Just cancel a whole week of school so I can play video games. No. <laughs> Never occurred uh, to me. I am the teacher. Yes. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> I like this next one. It's actually a very old one from 1900. And so Ooh. I'm going to read the, the description of it. And it's the little title, A Sign of the Times. Here we have a crazy blast from the past. Back at the turn of the 20th century, only the elites attended school. And this note clearly reflects it. And it does. It's a very, like, posh excuse it's just, it's just crazy how the wording is and it's all perfectly typed and well well let's just well, let's just read it it says dear madam please excuse my daughter susan for tardiness this morning i am without a servant at present and our housekeeping arrangements are somewhat disarranged yours truly mrs mary w strong Wow. November 12th, 1900. So actually has the exact date. Kind of cool. I love that kids have always been it's so hard to get out of when, <laughs> when the servant's away, it's just so hard. I know. Like, can you literally not tie your shoes? Yeah. Who will pour my morning tea? Tell me. I cannot I go to school. Yeah, no. I cannot use the toaster. I need my servants. This one is a medical condition. Oh. Um, and I'm going to make up the no- names because someone's walked them out. It says, so, dear Mrs. Foster, Matt has a condition that makes it so when she does homework, it slowly kills her. Please do not send any more homework signed. And it's just a very scribbly thing. I guess that's maybe how their parents signed. They just scribble. <laughs> I like my- that the scribble. The scribble like ends in a star too. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like M star. Man. Maybe. <laughs> this next one in the super modern times is a text message and it says James Morgan was absent from AM registration. Please can you text a reply with the reason for this absence? Thanks. Stanwell School. <laughs> and the response is a picture of the beach. Uh, <laughs> 
the guy's just standing on the beach chilling. Like, yeah, that's a reason. I don't even know if you're in the same town at that. Very honest. It's true. (laughs) This next one is actually a typed up letter, so very nice. And it says, to whom it may concern. (laughs) Sorry, this is funny. So, again, the name is blacked out. So it's like, blank has had, by their own report, a cold today and sensibly stayed home from work rather than spreading this to his colleagues slash customers. I have no tests for the common cold and therefore (laughs) believe him or her. However, you feel this his time and mine should be wasted by making him sit in a walk-in clinic for hours and me spending time writing a sick note that I could be spending or people who generally need my attention. Please reconsider your policy on this. There are surely better ways of wasting your tax dollars. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. That is the worst, too, when... When workplaces are like, we need a doctor's note. I'm like, nobody does that anymore. (laughs) I know one of my old jobs did. Or I I will get a doctor's note if I'm going to miss more than two days. And I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Because usually they get strep or something and you'll actually need to go to the doctor for that. I don't know. I was the worst at layman. I got to the point where my manager, Jesus Christ, Keena, why are you here? Go to the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> I just brought myself up because I'm like, nobody can. I was the only person that worked there for a long time. So I was like, in my department. So it was just, yeah. Me. I just propped myself up and be like, I'm here. I, I have a fun. thing with authority. I'm afraid people are going to be mad at me if I call in. <laughs> be like, I, don't even know. I do feel guilty. <laughs> I do. I will feel guilty. I will look at the schedule and see how well staffed we are mm-hmm. to see if I can call in or not and not feel totally bad. Mm -hmm. Anyways, moving on. This is obviously written by the kid. And it said, I missed Wednesday because I had to walk my girl home. And she wanted to talk to me about something that happened at school. And we made out. Wow. (laughs) Get it, kid. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. This makes me laugh. I, like, did you have to add that we made out? Like, <laughs> it makes it more legit, but... Natalie. It makes it more believable. You have more details, apparently. This is actually another old one. I'm trying to see the date. I think the date is in the 1800s. I see in 1832, and I think that's the date. And it's basically <laughs> the illness is he is thinking too much. <laughs> suffering from headaches or stress and so he's thinking too much Aww. between between the illness of thinking too much and the girl who has the homework that's gonna kill her i'm like man i did not try hard enough as a kid yeah right <laughs> that's just sad <laughs> like, <laughs> thinking too much. i just thought uh, too hard yesterday and now, now i'm actually in a deficit so i need to replenish <laughs> Another one that's called He's an American Idol, because that, <laughs> that's funny. It says, Dear Sir, please excuse so and so student from class for the day of July 13, 2012. She had to meet me. Her words, not mine. Thank you. David Cook, American Idol, season seven. Oh. So, so she got David Cook to write a little note. And I think it's on like the hotel you're staying at, like the stationery. Uh. That's oh funny. my gosh. 
He's yeah. like, you want an autograph? And you're like, yeah, but I'm going to need a little more than that. <laughs> I just love it like her words, not mine. But, uh, <laughs> he's obviously like, I am doing this, but I am not agreeing. <laughs> not culpable. <laughs> Next is one. It's I'm not going to read it. But I love how well proofread it is because this person made a lot of mistakes. They tried to fake a doctor's note that is actually from the doctor. Problem is, so they obviously just found a logo from a company and just stuck it up there in the top. But it is a low resolution image (laughs) and pixelated. So it's like obviously not professional. They misspelled prescribed apparently (laughs) and they use they didn't put an apostrophe with he's or they forgot it yeah they didn't put apostrophe so let's just say it's (laughs) at the bottom there put how not to fake a doctor's note (laughs) (laughs) and there are plenty of other red on this too like there's so much red and then it just says how not to fake a doctor's note so i'm wondering (laughs) if that's posted on someone's wall or something That's funny. The last one I'm going to read, uh, this is another text one. And obviously this person just like does not give a fuck. And it, it says, James Morgan was absent from registration. Can you please text a reply for the reason for this absence? And the response was, we were walking in the forest last night and we were chased by lions. So we are still up a tree. Help. (laughs) (laughs) This apparently happened again. (laughs) Or or maybe they just didn't take that as an answer. I'm not positive uh, because I don't see the dates. And it just is so. And it's a, a standard again, like James Morgan was absent. Can you tell why? And he put hippopotamus. Some hippos <laughs> blocked his bedroom door so we couldn't get out of the room this morning. We have no idea where they came from, but they've moved here now and we're stuck. So we'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> 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 it takes balls to say that. And it's so reasonable because everyone knows hippopotamuses are very deadly predators. So yeah, yeah. No, it Christmas checks. song lied to us. It did. It did. Very, very authentic illnesses for y'all. There you go. Uh, I love that. That's that's a good one to end on. (laughs) Uh, Kids have always been sneaky on how to get out of school. Why is that? I guess school just sucks. I guess. Well, I mean, it's just like redundant all day long, every day. Ugh. Ugh. I was so lucky that, like, my mom didn't care. She was just like, oh, you don't want to go to school today? Like, mental health day. Yeah. It never taught me to be wily like these kids, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. But my mom, she, even though we didn't skip a lot, like, she let me stay home, It she would check me out from lunch. And we, it was was such a treat to, like, go to Taco Bell and pick up food and then eat in the park. I don't know why, but I thought that was the shit. <laughs> Seven-year-old me, like, my mom checked me out. We went to Taco Bell, and we ate in the park. I just thought it was so Aww. cool. I used to love, too, like, when you might have, like, a middle-of-the-day or, like, early morning, 
morning doctor appointment. And then you'd roll up like at lunchtime with your McDonald's and everyone was so jealous. Yes. Like, that was like the best day because you knew you were hot shit that day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I'm so glad you were able to do it tonight. And I really appreciate you coming on and hanging oh, out with us. No problem. No, it's been so fun. I like it's so nice to be on somebody else's podcast because sometimes it's like to get out of your own format and into like a different, to- totally different way of doing it. It's just so like refreshing. I don't know. This was fun. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it gave me the chance to like binge your episodes too. So like I said, I was just listening to the letters to Santa one and I <laughs> like genuinely enjoyed that so much. <laughs> oh, it was so fun. Well, let our people know how they can find you. Yes. Yeah, so um, you can find, first of all, you can find my podcast if you're interested in listening to that um, on pretty much all of the platforms. If you just search Happy Hour History um, and you'll see like a little cartoon logo of a ginger girl who's <laughs> who's like holding um, a beer stein and a book. And that's supposed to be me. You can also follow me on the social medias. So if you go to Twitter, I'm at Happy History Pod. Um, and then my Instagram is at Happy Hour History Pod. Facebook is Happy Hour History Podcast. Uh, my email, if you want to email me, I don't know why you would, uh, is Happy Hour History Podcast. No, Happy Hour History Pod at gmail.com. I should really know this stuff by now. Um, so those are like the main ways you can reach out if you felt the need to. Um, and you can follow me there. Um, and I think that covers most of them. <laughs> <laughs> Got the gist. Like it. <laughs> yeah. So this week we have some shout outs. So we have our newest Patreon member. She is majestic as fuck. And it is Cassie from Alaska. What? <laughs> I've always wanted to go to Alaska. <laughs> oh, me too. It's so She's pretty. so sweet and lovely. And I just, I do want to go to Alaska and I want to see a whale. And she has assured me that you can't see whales there. So. <laughs> <laughs> But the one well, time be you'll disappointed. go, there'll be no whales. <laughs> I know. I always see those, like, cruises where people have, like, the experience of a lifetime and a whale comes up and jumps right next to them. Like, I would be <laughs> just standing there be like, God damn it, where are you? Come here. <laughs> I want things too bad. It's like ghosts. I want it too bad. And then they don't come. It's just, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I feel. So thanks, Cassie, for joining Patreon. We're so excited to have you. I'm sorry this I turned know. into a whole whale thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, not just well, yeah, maybe a little bit. But <laughs> I love Cassie has already started posting on our Patreon Facebook. So I'm really enjoying all of the memes and silly stuff that she's posting and commenting on. So thank you so much for already participating because I am entertained. Thank you. <laughs> Are you not uh, entertained? Yeah, <laughs> I am so appreciated. <laughs> uh, also, I'd like to give a shout for Frankie because he is going to pay us a little bit more on our pod on our Patreon. So thank you for bumping it up. It is very much appreciated, and um, you will be getting stuff in the mail. So everybody loves mail. I know. Oh. <laughs> I know, and I always doodle on it and have a little bit of fun. So it's kind of. nice frankie you're awesome and in our next episode i will be telling a awesome story that you suggested so i hope you really enjoy that and i hope i do it justice and 
by that, I mean mispronounce probably all the words because he, he tends to send stories. He sent a listener story that I read and he even broke down how the word is pronounced. And somehow I still mispronounced it <laughs> <laughs> when she then tweeted about that. I mispronounced it. So keeping like it real. It's talent. It's it so is. I totally own it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just don't do words that well. And that's okay. If you want to join Patreon and get a cool shout out and a ton of additional content and early access and be on the podcast and all the good stuff, go to patreon.com slash historical AF pod. <laughs> and you can also check out all of our social media, historical AF pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And are we, I know we push that Patreon stuff a lot, but that's because it is our little pod community and mm-hmm. it is amazing because we talk about art and Yoda and other <laughs> really weird shit like book chats. I love my little book chats, which okay. another one I'll be posting it soon again. So yeah. I have all kinds of juicy questions and recommendations, but please send us stuff. Uh, you can always comment and message us and you can send us emails on historicalafpod at gmail.com. We need stories that I can mispronounce. Yes! <laughs> this is the last episode before our listeners episode, so definitely send in stuff for us to talk about in February. So, mm-hmm. anything. Ghost stories, you know, true crime, family history, does your town have an urban legend? You know, anything. Or just Nothing the too. name of your town, and we will let you know if there's weird shit going down. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll totally that's fine, too. Up. We will research it for you as well. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. I think that's about it. Thanks, guys, for another, uh, for hanging in there for another episode. <laughs> yeah, and thank you, Kagan, so much for being here. <laughs> thank really you guys for having it. me. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Bye, Zs. Bye. Uh, Oh, that's such a cute little bye.